um, had, had already been thinking this way well ahead of, of any changes to iOS. And, and now we have, uh, you know, things with Google coming up with cookies. I mean, we're really looking at, you know, how can we make the best creative possible that it almost allows people to, to qualify themselves based off of how much they're watching, what signals are they showing with that creative? But then we can almost, you know, come back and, and serve a subsequent ad, you know, that, that makes sense without relying on the algorithm to say, okay, here's what's next. Hey, Modern Commerce, welcome back. You're here again with Casey and John, as always. And today we've got another great interview for you. We've had a bunch of them in a row, but we've got another awesome one today. We're continuing on with the How to Build a Brand series that we've been doing. John's been kind of spearheading this whole initiative. So John, tell me first, how are you doing? And also, who do you have for us today? I'm not doing well today. Oh no. I'm just kidding. I always say I'm doing well, like it's just our routine. Uh, today, this is exciting. We're actually on a 2.0. It's not a past guest, but we have done the same vertical before. So um, we are doing how to build a footwear brand again, how to build a footwear brand 2.0, a different footwear brand today. And we have Brett Swenson of Kizik Footwear. Brett, thank you for coming. Give us a little background on yourself and on Kizik. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll try and give you the little bit of the short and sweet uh, version, but um, I've been with Kizik for about three years now. Um, so kind of since since we really started to grow um, up until now and, and we're having a blast. Um, my background actually, um, I think you, you probably hear this a lot from marketers, but I kind of have a, a unique past. I actually started in the photography business, the wedding photography uh, back in the day. So I did uh, portrait photography for about 10 years, um, here in, in Utah and, um, and realized that I never wanted to do photography ever again, <laughs> uh, dealing with, with brides and, and, uh, families on a very stressful day, um, you know, took its toll, but, but that's kind of where I actually got my start, um, a little bit of marketing. We, you know, we, that was right as, um, Facebook was kind of, up and coming and you, you, know, you create your, your brand pages and, and we, we, we tried to, you know, uh, incorporate a, a social media element to, to what we were doing. And so I was in charge of figuring that all out and I kind of got the itch for marketing and, and, uh, then, then went on to agency life, uh, managing, you know, clients, enterprise clients, um, for a couple of years. And then, um, that's when I, I made my way over to purple. Uh, it sounds like you've had some, some purple alum on here before, um, which was awesome. Uh, was there during kind of the, the boom time there and, and, um, had a lot of fun and knew that's, you know, I just wanted to continue my path and, in, in marketing and, and then, uh, anyway, found my way on to Kizik actually circled back up with, uh, my old CMO at purple and we, we went on to, uh, Kizik and, and, uh, yeah, that's, I'm currently the VP of marketing there and and uh, loving every minute, so. Yeah, amazing. So uh, Kizik Footwear, give us a, give, give, give us the, the little backstory on Kizik itself, because this is a, one of the biggest reasons I was excited to have you on is because like, I actually got got by you, uh, by, by you and your team. I, my, my wife is a big uh, non-untire of shoes. She doesn't untire shoes, she just takes them off, puts back on, squeezes her foot in there. And so I saw Kizik ads and it was like instantly, bottom. So yeah, give me, give me the background on Kizik. Yeah. Um, so really Kizik, um, 
started back in you know 2017 where um our founder who's actually um his name is mike pratt uh he was the uh founder of ogo bags um which i'm sure you, you probably have heard of um and, and during that time um he'd actually come up with a concept and you know he, he's kind of one of those um mad scientists serial inventors and was just always trying to find a better way and he had the idea at the time to to see if he could come up with a a hands-free shoe and he felt like it was going to be kind of the next big thing and and so he sold ogo and and um took his his ideas and patents with him and and um went into 2018 to um really do a proof of concept see if he could actually make this work so he he brought together some some uh, footwear experts and and that's when kizik was born officially in 2018 and 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 started selling some shoes and and then uh actually uh nike um actually reached out um randomly through email and and expressed some interest in in the technology and, and what was going on and and uh a lot of lawyer and lawyers later and and things later um nike's actually licensing um some of our technology from our parent company which is called hands-free labs and so that was kind of the what spurred this like okay we're on to something this is legit like let's keep going and and so they they brought on marketing team and in 2019 and and it's been you know kind of a rocket ship since oh, yeah. um so you mentioned yeah, nike uh, who is that i've never heard of no I'm just kidding. yeah just a yeah. it's an unknown just a small brand yeah, yeah i mean it's they're they're a little lesser known but you know um no yeah it's cool and so so i mean the idea behind it essentially it's like yeah it's a it's a hands-free shoe um meaning like it's a legitimate athletic shoe right so so that's what i want to like because there's plenty of slip-on shoes out there um, but it's like a legitimate athletic shoe that you don't have to reach down and tie and untie correct yeah so we play in the athleisure space technically right. which is which is really um kind of that that casual footwear um we don't make running shoes or or, or really shoes you know to, for performance aspects but mm -hmm. um, anything you'd wear outside of that which you know is uh you know you name it from from a cup sole to an, an athletic type shoe um yeah you can wear that and then yeah the our whole um portfolio of technology and pats is all around ways that you can put on shoes without using your hands so uh you know we call it a step in um but definitely uh, we like to go far beyond uh, your traditional slip slip on concept because um, they actually stay on. You know, we show people doing backflips and jumping on tramps, things like that, to really prove the point that, like, hey, this goes on like a slipper, but it fits like a regular shoe. Right. Yeah. So that, that's the distinction. That's the distinction. I think when people think hands for a shoe, they think like a loafer, you know, or something like that. Um, but it. But yeah, no, it, it's it's a legitimate like shoe that you can go you know i mean maybe you wouldn't play tennis in it but uh you you could go to the gym in it right yep. like and do everything you're going to probably do at the gym most of the time you could probably go do crossfit in it um maybe but uh yeah so give me the background i mean you, i know you guys had that rocket ship like growth and i think one of the most uh, interesting things that that we kind of talked about off camera that i want to talk about from a marketing and growth standpoint um is really the way you think about your advertising and and your ad strategy um and it's a little bit of a carryover from your days at purple i think where uh you guys used a lot of uh, objectives that most 
direct to consumer, you know, direct response companies don't use, uh, like legitimately you had campaigns designed purely to get people to watch a video campaigns designed purely to get traffic to a blog, you know, and it, no further expectation, no real expectation of, of conversion, um, or anything like that, but truly designed just to warm people up. And then you sort of have this segmented retargeting approach based on how much of your content people have consumed, right? So, you know, yeah. to put it in really specific terms, you might run a video views campaign on meta, uh, and then have segmented retargeting for that video. If it's a minute video based on people who've watched 50%, 75% and hit them with essentially another ad that picks up where they left off. Right. Yep. Yeah. I, I think you did a good job of explaining. I mean, you know, one of the things that we've always felt is, you know, this is a full funnel approach. This isn't, you know, kind of, uh, you know, typical, which I think has shifted a little bit, you know, post iOS, but you know, a lot of brands are, are so DR focused. It's, you know, let the algorithm find the buyers and, and, you know, put in your, your, your DR focused, um, creative and, and, uh, you know, kind of sit back and, and, and let it run. And, and we really, you know, there are some definite parallels to, to purple and Kizik and the fact that, you know, having a moat with, with technology and patents and, and really disrupting a category. Um, you know, we felt like, you know, there, there's a lot of education that needs to happen. A lot of, uh, you know, a very demonstrable product that allows us to really tell our story and, and, um, you know, do so in a unique way. And so I think for us, yeah, video views strategy where, where we're, we're going hard at, at very top of funnel, uh, people that, that aren't necessarily in market at all. Right. But we're, we're being disruptive and, and, um, you know, really kind of putting, you know, planting seeds for the future. You know, we, we're not afraid to, to plant a seed and then wait, you know, three months down the road for when people really are in market to, right. to buy a pair of shoes and say, Oh, what was that one brand where, the guy was sliding down the banister and he landed in his shoes. Like to us, that's, that's a big win. We can instill the brand, you know, at, at the very top of the funnel, if they're, if they're even in the funnel and, right. and have them have that recall um, down the road. And, and like you said, when, when people show interest at, you know, um, you know, looking at view rate and, and percentage of, of uh, the video watched, then we can really start to, to dial in creative beyond that. But it all starts with just that mindset of having like, you know, a little bit more of a long-term um, approach and, and then building your, your creative and strategy um, around that. It's really interesting. Cause I, I think, you know, you, to be clear, this is not, not direct response, right. In the, in the way people think about it. Like, I think that especially as an agency person and, and you've said, you know, even to the C-suite people, I've had to have the same conversation where it's like, you know, you get the kickback that like, Hey, you know, look, look, we're not Nike. We're not one of these big brands you're used to dealing with us. Like we're used to dealing with Nike, like, uh, but you know, we, we, our dollars have to get us a return. And just to be clear, you have return goals on your dollars. Like you have efficiency targets that you need to hit and you do this strategy and stay within those efficiency targets, right? Like just to, you know, be clear, it's still direct response. You still are saying, Hey, we need to scale and spend at this level of CAC, right? You know, or of this level of, of MER or whatever it is, right? Um, and, and we still hit those, but we do it in a way where we are doing a massive, you know, demand generation sort of effort um, top of funnel where we don't expect those ads to create 
conversion results. Hundred percent, yeah, and I think that's important to clarify. Is is yeah, this isn't just a, a brand play for us, or you know, you know, kind of uh, hope for a return. We're we're very dialed in and measuring performance. Um, I know you've talked about it before on your your podcast, but but having the right tools in place that allow us to look downstream and some of those metrics, whether that be uh, email signup rate or or you know, straight up looking at, at blended MER. Um, you know, payback windows, things like that. Like we're, we're measuring all of that, uh, but we're just, you know, going about it in a way that, that I think allows us, um, especially for, for us, we're, we're really going for, for mass awareness and, and building a brand in a category that's, is very saturated. I mean, footwear has been around forever. There's thousands of brands. Um, and, and a lot of them, what's, what's kind of unique is, you know, a lot of brands play off of, you know, cause, or, you know, you'll, you'll maybe hear sustainability here or, uh, but there's not a really, there's not a whole lot of innovation that's, that's gone on in footwear. It's materials or, or colorways, but really, um, you know, I think we have over 117 patents now and, and really creating a category, this hands-free category. Um, you know, we knew we had to reach, um, you know, and if we wanted to be a mass market brand, we needed to, to, to spend behind that to, to reach um, the, you know, the, the masses and, and really start to implant this, this kind of seed of doubt that like, hey, there's a better way. You know, you've been putting your shoes on uh, maybe, you know, a, an old fashioned way. And there's, a, there's kind of a, a new standard in footwear coming. And that's really where we're trying to plant our flag. And then, you know, I think once you start to develop and, and tell that story in a, in a way that, that resonates with people, then you start to see people qualifying themselves and putting themselves in market when they, yeah. they didn't even know they were looking for that. So, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, we had the conversation, uh, you actually brought up some stuff that makes me, I, I want to ask a couple other things about specifically the footwear category. Cause that this, that's what this, this show is about is, you know, sort of how to build brands in different verticals. Uh, but you brought up something, uh, you know, we talked about something off camera with specifically this strategy of like, okay, how is it that we truly disrupt the space? Like we have to capture demand. We have to be top of mind, but we have to do that efficiently like a DTC brand, right? Like we can't, um, you know, we can't treat it like Nike treats it where they might have a whatever, $20 million TV budget this week type of thing. And, and they're not looking for anything specific from that. Um, there is returns. And so, and I just want to clarify something. So like, um, when you're running campaigns that are more awareness focused, like you have your numbers, numbers dialed in enough, right. On, on a video or on like a, you know, a type of video, um, where if somebody watches 50%, 75% of it, you're going to hit them with a, with a certain message, you know, middle of the funnel, that's where you might start looking for a conversion. And, and you have a good idea of like, essentially the value of a person who watches a certain amount of your video. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's always, um, you know, as we know, video views, especially when there's no click involved, like those are the, the hardest elements to track within a, right. you know, with it, within advertising, but, you know, with, with some of the, um, especially again, going back to that full funnel approach, you know, we have to have a little bit of that marketing faith to know that like, when we, we can get people to watch this video, we can look at downstream effects that, yeah, the follow-up creative beyond that is performing it in an X on a one day click, seven day view or whatever your attribution settings to say, okay, this specific mid funnel piece of creative tied to this top of funnel piece of creative, you know, these two are meshing together. So we almost look at both of those creatives together. One's just doing something a little bit different than the other. It's, it's getting eyeballs, getting awareness and attention, 
looking at, at thumb stop rate. Um, right. while the other one, we're looking at, okay, what happened when they clicked, came through the site, interacted with the products, you know, signed up for, for our email list. And, and so we just measure them differently. They each have different success, success metrics yeah. that, that play together as kind of a, a you know, I think you, you said something like Stockton and Malone, right? Like one, they're just doing different things. One's maybe, you know, you know, making a, a slamming at home and, and the others, uh, you know, Stockton's passing it in. And, and so right. for us, it's just how you view those people. So John's yeah. dirty little secret is he, he, he wants to do marketing tweets in the day, but he wants to moonlight as like a, a sports uh, analyst, you know, like, right. yeah. but only classic, like, like jazz sports. My next po podcast is specifically a Utah jazz podcast. I'll talk about some other teams, I guess, when I'm talking about trades, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, and it, actually the analogy I was just going to give was not that one, but that's a good one. Um, I was going to, it's, it's kind of more like assessing you know, instead of assessing each punch individually, you're assessing combos, right? Like, you know, what is this one-two punch or what does this, you know, jab-jab uh, cross look like um, when we put it all together as opposed to just trying to assess them each. So, I mean, you probably have metrics. It's not like, it's not like those top of funnel pieces that have those like, I don't know, you might say like lighter objectives have no, like, it's not like we just say, oh yeah, it's all feels and and nice, like, it's like, no, they actually do have KPIs that they're supposed to hit, right? Like they can get cut just like any other piece can, um, yeah. just like a convergence piece can. They have certain metrics that they're supposed to hit that signal to us they are truly creating awareness um, that will convert downstream, right? Yep, 100%. I think, I think that's a great way to put it. You know, we're, we're not afraid to kill a campaign that, that like you said, has, has, you know, more top of funnel metrics or, or KPIs associated it just because you know, oh, that's that's more of a branding play or, or an awareness play. And so we, we don't really need to rely on them. Like th they're dialed in the same way that, you know, bottom of the funnel, we're looking at, at return on ad spend or or some of those others. So I, I think that's that's the way that, that we look at it. And I think if you're going to go down this path of, you know, um, you know, really having a diverse, diversified and full funnel strategy, then you have to you have to look at them that way or, or you won't get a true sign of success. It, it, I think the hot take here is that we talk about, talked about off camera. And I think I've alluded to it before is that like, you know, after we talked that it kind of prompted me to tweet this, that I was like, you know, if you are using the conversions objective on Facebook, even if you're broad, even if you're going broad, are you really doing demand generation? Like truly it's the machine learning there is so strong that like, are you really, you know, like it's probably at best high level demand capture. Rarely are you taking someone who's not at least in market or affinity for your product and showing them an ad unless you're using an objective like, like a video views or something like that. And that might be an unpopular opinion. Certainly, I, I think I asked that and plenty of people were like, yeah, it totally is demand generation. And I think technically by definition, it may be, but um but yeah, I don't know if it really fits the true spirit of, of demand gen. Um, if we're because the machine learning is just too good on that platform at this point. Yeah, it probably depends on on which marketer you ask on how well they think the, the machine learning is doing. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I also think yeah, it's a it's an interesting debate, and I also think it depends a little bit on the product and the product category, right? Like for mm -hmm. us, where we're we're Everybody coming into what a market. What's that? But for you, everybody knows what shoes are. Already. Yeah, but not everyone knows what hands-free shoes are, right? And so for us, like when we come in into um, 
you know, into someone's feed and, and they see initially a, a shoe, they're like, oh yeah, another shoe. But then we show what we call our aha moment of someone stepping into the shoe. It's like, okay, like, what is that? Is that a slip on? Is that, you know, like, and so really, you know, we, we definitely utilize that. And, and I, you know, with us, I'd consider that, um, you know, demand gen in a sense that, you know, we're, we're coming into a category where people are, are um unassuming of of what we are who we are and and so but yeah if you're if you're if you're coming in and and uh you know into a market that uh you know skincare and it's it's you're just you're building the brand off of that then yeah you're you're probably a little bit less demand gen someone else is probably doing that you know up here on on tv or 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 youtube and and um and building that demand but i'll put it i'll put it this way right um in the u.s most people wear shoes Okay. Um, in, in, uh, so if, if you're using a conversions objective, most likely you're primarily reaching people who are within a certain time period going to buy some shoe. They're going to buy a shoe, right? Um, that's just, you know, where the machine learning's at. Whereas if you start to use a video views objective or reach objective, or I mean, maybe not let's do reach, but like video views, this is what we've been talking about. Yeah. You're you're actually saying no, no. All those people who aren't within a week of buying some shoe somewhere, I also want to reach them, and prime them for when they are about to buy a shoe, or accelerate them. You know, maybe get them excited enough that when they see the next ad, they're like, okay, yeah, I wasn't really gonna buy shoes yet, but these look sick, so I'm gonna buy them. Um, right, and like tr truly creating demand where there wasn't one. Now, I will say that you know we recently had CrossNet on. Um, you know, which is like, it's four square volleyball. If you're putting a conversions ad for CrossNet in front of people, you probably are truly creating demand gen because it wasn't like, you know, those people were walking around about to buy a four square volleyball net soon, you know, that you're introducing a, a whole new product idea to them. So yeah, that, I'll call it demand gen then. But if you're in a commodities uh, category and you're just differentiated like Kizik, right? Like you're in a commodities category, but you're, you're, you have a differentiated product. Um, if you, if all you ever did was use the conversions objective, you would really be limiting your ability to scale. I think for sure. Yep. Um, yep. Totally on board with that. And, and, um, I, I think that's why, you know, even, even with relying upon that, I mean, we, we really haven't seen the scale and, and the efficiency until we went a little bit broader and, and which is interesting to say, because, you know, broader and, and higher up, I'd say in, in our funnel and really really focused on on some of those things where early on when you mentioned earlier trying to prove um you know uh, efficiency and and buy, get buy-in from uh c-suite like you know you kind of have to kind of prove those things out over time to then go broader broader bring on connected tv bring on linear and and have the faith that, that the same strategy you employed over here is going to translate to this channel um and so yeah, I mean, I think if, if we relied on on just conversions, especially now, I mean, you know, yeah. we, we'd be part of the bloodbath that that is the rest of you know um, the apparel space and and just some of the stories we've heard. And, and so I think that's really allowed us um, to stay a little bit above you know some of the perils that have happened to brands after the the iOS change, where it's just that's all they were doing and and um, didn't really diversify that strategy. Absolutely. I want to call that out because you're heavy paid media. Let's no, let's make no mistake about it. A lot of Kizik's 
uh, growth comes from paid media. It's not like you guys have some huge SEO presence or, you know, uh, it's a big, I mean, you probably have influencers, but it's not like that's where your like growth is coming from. It's, it's heavy paid media. Right. And, and, uh, and within that media mix, heavy meta, correct. Yep. yep. And, and many brands in that category got hit very hard by the iOS updates. And I was asking you, like I asked off screen, like, okay, so, you know, this is one of the things in 2022, we can't ignore, Hey, here was this growth story. We were taking off 2019 rocket ship, 2020, even more rocket ship. Cause everybody had all this money they wanted to spend. 2021 was a retraction or a tra- retracement for a lot of brands. Um, especially that were heavy meta in their media mix. And you kind of said like, ah, you know, it, re- it really wasn't, it was kind of a bump, but not a big a speed bump for us because of how you did it. Right. Because all of your, a lot of your conversions are driven from audiences that have been built within platform. So it was like, you didn't really see that efficiency hit as much. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and, and not to make light of some of the businesses that, that definitely have struggled, but, but yeah, I, I mean, we feel really blessed that, that we've been able to succeed through, through some of those, those issues. And I mean, as every marketer, I was, I was panic, you know, get in panic mode as starting to see what was going on, but, and we saw some drop and, and were affected, but I think, yeah, you know, what, what you just brought up and, and to reiterate, you know, the fact that we um, had, had already been thinking this way well ahead of, of any changes to iOS. And, and now we have, uh, you know, things with Google coming up with cookies. I mean, we're really looking at, you know, how can we make the best creative possible that that almost allows people to, to qualify themselves based off of how much they're watching, what signals are they showing with that creative, then we can almost, you know, come back and, and serve a subsequent ad, you know, that, that makes sense without relying on the algorithm to say, okay, here's what's next in, in what we see um, algorithmically to, to serve to this person. Not saying we're ever going to outsmart any algorithm, but I think it, it allows us to hedge our bets a little bit where, you know, we were already, already down that path. And I think a lot of brands are, are, starting to to try and figure out you know uh a new path for themselves as well yeah yeah absolutely okay i want to shift gears a little bit and talk about uh some stuff that you you've uh hinted at already and i i think that the big thing when we tell these kind of brand growth stories um and and you know give these sort of brand studies and stuff like that and it's the standard on podcasts where it's like xyz brand did huge thing uh, and you know, here's how they did it. And let's talk about it in really vague terms that mostly people can't really use. Um, I, I do think we have tried to get specific and tactical here and said like, look, this is how we do it from an ad strategy standpoint. Maybe not all of you want to buy into that, but it, it, this is how it's worked for Kizik, right? And, and anybody can go and try and do that with their brand, right? Where they're going to say, all right, we're going to commit to making top of funnel engaging content that's main job is to engage right and and we're not going to expect it to give us returns and we're going to create this kind of like multi-tiered strategy this true demand gen strategy anybody can do that but i do want to talk about with kizik specifically you know why somebody couldn't just uh i mean people have this tendency to say hey you know if uh if manscaped can do it then i can do it right like and sell the same products and stuff and it's like well different circumstances, right? So I do want to talk about what is it that Kizik has that are the true unique advantages of Kizik, the true modes of Kizik that it's like, hey, you know, like you can't really do exactly what we've done. You can't really recreate and run the same exact playbook because of this thing, you know, but here's what you can do. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think I mentioned earlier, I mean, it really, I mean, it always starts with, with an amazing product. Right. And I, and I think even coming in and, and first seeing Kizik early on, I was like, okay, I mean, probably a lot of the same reaction, you know, people that aren't, we call in our needs-based category, people that, um, you know, may have limb loss or um, that are pregnant or have Parkinson's or, you know, either, either it's a short-term ailment or long-term, like that's usually a no-brainer. People can, can see it and be like, okay, I get it. Um, but, but really for the everyday, like, you know, how is this better than me cramming my foot into my whatever shoe, right? Like, um, really it starts with an amazing product that once people can, can see it and then try it on, it's this aha moment of like, oh my gosh, uh, why would I, why would I go back to this, you know, antiquated way? And I almost compare it to like rolling down, you know, your window versus automatic windows. Like, yeah, you could roll down your window. We can all do that. Um, <laughs> but why, why? And no cars coming out have, you know, a, a crank to roll down your window. Right. And our kids will never know what that is. Um, but, but yeah, our, our real mode is, is the, the foresight from, um, our founder and, and the team that we have in place to, you know, our, our lab and, and innovation team, um, is, is amazing. And the fact that we have, I think I mentioned over 117 patents on, you know, slightest differences in how you can put on a shoe without using your hands. We have, uh, you know, internal technology, external technology, and really that builds this this barrier around the brand to say, yeah, we can always do better at our, um, at showcasing and, and tactically, um, positioning our, our story throughout different channels. And, and, but really having, having this, this patent behind us that, that allows us to, um, have a unique spot within, you know, a, a $300 billion industry, yeah. you know, to, to carve out a niche for ourselves really allows us to, to really, you know, have, have the, the growth that we've seen, you know, and, and so it's, it's nice to have, to have a product where, you know, you're not just competing on style or, or, um, you know, brand message, but, but that's been critical. I'll put it this way. You know, if you're looking to sort of like replicate the unicorn, um, like, you know, you can't, there's certain things you can't recreate. Circumstances is one of the big ones, right? Like you, you try as you might, you can run the exact same playbook as Dollar Shave Club today, and you can't. Like it does, just doesn't work. They they got it at the right time. Okay, so uh, there's that. But this isn't the issue. Like the true moat with Kizik is like, here's the litmus test. If not, if 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 the if the moat wasn't real, Nike wouldn't be licensing the technology from you. They would have just done it. Yeah. Um, yep. Because that's what they do. That's their whole thing, right? So, like. Yeah, I mean that that that's like a true moat that you know somebody can't replicate that. So I mean, it's something people need to know when they hear this growth story of like, okay, here's a unique element here that like you can't just go out and do this after listening to one podcast, right? Yeah, but, and I think um, to to your point about circumstances too. I mean, I think there's you know there's been definitely a shift too that that um, I mean I think you know, we could pat ourselves on the back all day long as marketers, but a lot of it, like you said, is timing and, yeah. you know, seeing a shift, you know, especially during COVID and, and um, I, I think, you know, it started before then, but the shift to, you know, comfort and convenience and, and athleisure and yeah. like this, that for sure. like that's been a huge part of, of our growth. I mean, you've seen, you know, um, brands, you know, before us kind of, really push that message and, and us being able to come in and, and capitalize on like a, a design and style trend 
that's already going and then us us uh, bringing in a, a unique um, technology piece to it that's like hey we've taken this you know convenience and and how do we make your lives easier and we've added another element that's like the cherry on top yeah. you know that's that, that's been amazing for us and and continuing to ride that because you know i'll be the first to say we're not the leading um brand and fashion footwear right i mean there's there's plenty of brands that are that are pushing the boundaries there and and doing amazing things but but yeah, yeah. you know we believe that that hands-free is kind of that that next step that um is going to be the new standard within footwear and you've already seen brands you know and 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 have you know uh really focus on like they're not going to add laces to their shoes ever again and so like this this movement and shift towards like I, I just want ease in my life i want convenience i got so many other things to worry about like you know convenience and, and ease is you know that that's a place that i don't even want to think about it so right yeah and, and I, I mean yeah i i'm thank you for acknowledging the circumstances and, and it's similar almost in a sense to purple right where it was like you got a couple tailwinds there that were circumstantial. Yes, it was a unique mechanism on a known product and it was, you know, not replicable instant. Like you, somebody couldn't go, all right, now I'm going to source that, that mattress. Serta couldn't be like, we're just going to source that design and we're going to like, you know, bury these guys, uh, because you had it, they couldn't do it. Right. Um, there is that, that, and, and that's not insignificant. But there's some tailwinds too, right? Like with, with Kizik, like you said, I mean, athleisure. And then the other one is just, you know, you kind of caught it at a time where, and same as purple, it would have been really weird if you talked to me in 2012 about buying, super weird about like buying a mattress online. I'd be like, how would you possibly ever buy a mattress online? And I would have said the same thing about shoes. It's like, well, you got to try them on, you know, like when it, you're, but like, people have just gotten way more used to buying stuff online that you know they know that they'll be able to send it back if they don't like it um that's you don't have to even overcome that barrier anymore right like that you would have at one time and um you know especially during 2020 people got like way more comfortable a lot more people got more comfortable buying more things online um so yeah i mean we don't want to downplay that so i do want to hit on one thing though like in footwear specifically what are the unique the, the unique elements in the footwear space because we are talking about you know how to grow a footwear brand so what are the unique things in the footwear space that like some of the stuff we've talked about the ad strategy that can be applied to a lot of different types of brands what are the unique advantages and and things kind of working in your favor in the footwear space that things it's like hey you know this part it's a little bit easier for you than it is for other brands and then you know what are the things that are like well this part's a little harder for you than it is for other brands yeah i mean i think you hit on one um you know as you talked about this uh the ability for for consumers to you know the, the mind shift of of being able to buy online and try and home right i think that's been um really um unique and, and especially in footwear where um you know i'd say there, there's definitely people that are tied to a specific brand and they're only wear that brand but i think at a price point of 99 bucks to 125 bucks, people are willing to take a chance on a brand that they may have never heard of. So I think that's an advantage for us is if, you know, because one of the things we're fighting against is this notion that, that Kizik is a gimmick, right? I think when you see something new and you position it in a way that that is a bit disruptive, people can be like, okay, like what's the, what am I going to get in the box when I, when I order this, right? And I think, um, you know, that's been what we've been trying to, to, to push forward with our brand is like, you no, know, this is like, this is the new standard in footwear. And, and so I think 
footwear by itself though, is, you know, gives people an opportunity to express themselves. And I think, as I mentioned, people are willing to, to, um, explore their wardrobe and if they can find something that really, um, you know, allows them to be expressive and then also, um, you know, solve a need or, or, you know, we, you know, we have a, a big portion of our consumer base that, that are our needs based. And that doesn't necessarily mean the elderly or, or the adaptive, but also our, you know, pregnancy and, and travel and, you know, those people that just are looking for a better way, right. Almost the, the early adopters into new technology, like those people are a big part of our, our consumer base. So I think, you know, the price point has been big for us and, and then just being able to break through a, a category, um, which I think is an advantage for us that's been relatively stagnant in innovation, right? I think us coming in and being a bit disruptive there is, has been, um, um, good for us, um, which is on the flip side is, is a challenge, right? I mean, if you think, you know, looking back at, at purple, you know, we had hundreds of bed in a box competitors and we were like, oh my gosh, this is massive market. <laughs> and then, you know, coming over to Kizik and looking at footwear where it's, you know, um, thousands of brands and new ones popping up every day, you're, you're having to cut through this noise that, you know, people have been, have, have been pushing, you know, unique features and, and trying to differentiate, differentiate themselves. And, and there's a lot of skepticism. So that's been one thing that I, I think has been uh, a bit challenging in the footwear space. And, and then, you know, I, I guess to, to go back to my first point too, I mean, we, like it or not, you know, we talk about internally, we're in the fashion space, people wear footwear, um, to express themselves. It's, it's part of who they are. And, and, and so if you're not, um, following on with trend or, or ahead of trend and, and keeping up, like it doesn't matter what your product does. People, people don't want to wear something that doesn't fit with their personal style. And, 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 um, so, so that's been a challenge for us is, is realizing that like, just because we have this unique, technology doesn't mean we can forget the basics of comfort and design and style and, and building a brand, right. That people want to associate themselves with. And it is much, yeah. And it's such a tough one because it's subjective, right? Like you might think over here is going to be the next stop, but if you miss, you miss, that's it. Like, you know, if people don't like it, then they're not going to buy it and they're going to, they're going to vote with their wallets. I I'll, I'll call out a couple. I actually used to be a shoe salesman. I worked at, uh, I worked at a running store all through high school and I, managed a running store my first year out of college. One of the biggest challenges in the footwear space is the barrier to entry. Um, you, you cannot, like you can in other, I mean, well, let me put it this way. If I'm going to launch, it, I'm going to source pretty much the same stuff everyone else sources. Like, and, it, it, and legitimately, it's in, unless I go invent something myself, uh, like it's pretty hard to find something no one else sources, right? And I'm going to have to differentiate on like design, really. Um, and uh, or if I'm going to if I'm going to launch uh, a razor brand, you know, for the most part, I'm going to go source what everyone else sources, and I'm going to have to try and differentiate somehow in my marketing. In footwear, you can't. And, and some brands can actually make it doing that, right? Like they really can't. They can make it doing that. Um, in footwear you cannot right like you it's just too like technology driven and it's been too technology driven for too long so much so that like you're like this the innovation has been stagnant 
because it's like these small technological advances that just are not exciting, right? The the main two that I can think of in, in the last maybe 10 years are like something like Kezik, hands-free, and then something like a baseline waterproof athleisure shoe, right? Where it's like Vessi. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, it, it's like, but it's all technological advances. And I, I cannot think of a single footwear brand that isn't differentiated somehow with some kind of tech, and maybe you can, but with some kind of actual technological advance where they're sourcing the same product, you know, anyone else can source and somehow differentiating somewhat somewhere else. It's just not the case, right? Like you can't do that. Like you can with an apparel brand or like a, you know, different types of brands. Um, so that's one of the main disadvantages. There is a, a true barrier to entry where you have to do some kind of innovation with technology. Um, one of the big advantages though, I think is stickiness. So if somebody actually likes your product, I mean, it's like people will buy it in every color. They will keep buying it for, for forever. When you innovate on it and you make a V2, they'll like sometimes be upset that the V1, like they're like, oh, the V1 was so good though, right? Like it's, and, and they'll buy them, you know, so it, like, you know, an, a, a even average LTV is, is a, a multiple of the initial purchase, not just like a 1.5X or something like that. Um, if your product is good and it does actually have that technological innovation. Yeah. I'm glad you, you brought that up because that is something obviously, you know, as, as we're in growth mode that, you know, looking at, at LTV and, and that stickiness is, is something that's always top of mind. And, and um, yeah, I think that's a great call out. I mean, whereas again, calling out mattresses, I mean, that was, that was really hard. I mean, it was kind of a one-time purchase and, and you're not needing to buy a mattress and, you know, or a, a set for, five, eight years. And so I, I think the ability to, and we've tried to stay away from like this drop culture and, and this, this scarcity model, but there is something that inherently built in that if you can, if you can hook someone and they're a fan, like that brand loyalty is there. And, and one thing that we've seen that um, I haven't experienced before is, is the word of mouth. I mean, um, when people find something love and, and I think this definitely isn't perhaps unique to footwear, but you know, seeing word of mouth upwards of 25% for us, when we look at our post-purchase surveys is it blows my mind. They'd be willing to go tell a, uh, a family or a friend that, Hey, this I'm vouching for this brand. You should go buy. I mean, the, the, I mean, that's music to a marketer's ear. Right. Um, right and yeah. so, I mean, I mean, that's something that is, is really uh, goes along with what you're saying is, you know, you have this, this tribe and these evangelists going out, um, is a, you know, an army just selling your brand for you where, you know, a lot of brands are having to scratch and claw to get people to sign up for their rewards and loyalty programs. And, yeah. and these people are just out doing it. Um, it has been really fascinating for me to see, um, compared to other, other brands that I've worked with. And it's almost like in the footwear space, uh, the consumer almost like a little bit wants you to do the drop thing, Right. They're almost like, yeah, give me a limited edition, right? Like they're just, I don't know, a train for it. Whereas like in some spots, they're like, oh my gosh, you guys are just doing these drops. Like I can't get the shoes all the time or I can't get the product all the time or whatever, right? Like it's it's a little bit different. Um, so uh, one, okay, ne next thing I kind of want to hit on here is um, as an in-house person, you've been in-house for a little while now, you were in the agency world for a minute. Um, one of the things that I kind of like to ask on here is like, as an in-house person, like we're agency people. What is something that you as an in-house person feel like, Hey, we, 
only looking at one brand, there's definitely like, this is what we miss. And this is like the main question. One of the biggest questions I would have for someone who looks over a lot of brands. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of hit on it actually just, just barely, but I, I keep thinking about community and, um, I, I, I'm always, you know, I think that's one thing, you know, we talked off camera about some things that I think kids it could be doing better at, or that I may do differently, but I'd love to hear your, your perspective on like, what are the most successful brands doing to build, um, community where, um, I think in the past that that maybe wasn't an, em an emphasis for brands, but now where there's so much, you know, we've talked about this whole podcast, there's, there's a lot of options out there and there's a lot of noise, you know, have, have you seen something that the brands are doing, uh, tactically, or just is kind of a, a brand to really invite in, um, a community and, and build those relationships, um, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, I got some craziness going on outside my door here, but yeah, no, I think it is like community is a tough one. Um, and the biggest thing I've seen for brands that build community, cause it's like this very like nebulous, like build a community, everybody in DTC says that, uh, but like, what does that actually mean? Um, I've seen it a couple times and that's, that's the thing it, it is when you see a lot of brands, it's like, you know, one of those, oh, now I know, I know it when I see it, um, situations. And it's one of two things in my view, and, and Casey can hop in on this too. The first is a person, right? So there is a person associated with this brand that people, it's hard for people to know, like, and trust a brand. There are some brands that achieve this like Apple and Nike, but that it's, it's, that's really difficult. Okay. But it's easy for people to know, like, and trust a person, even if they're primarily associated with the brand and the primary association the person has with them is with that brand, right? Like I know, like, and trust Ryan Dice, even though I don't actually know him, right? But I know, you know, I will trust anything digital marketer does because he is associated with it. Um, you know, it's not corporate to me. So it's, it's almost always either a person where people can like endear themselves to that person and and enjoy that person's content and, and and like there's a personal brand associated with the brand sometimes it's already an influencer who's partnered with the brand and is an equity um shareholder sometimes the brand owner or founder or whatever themselves becomes that like personal brand um but they're the face of the brand right like they're a lot of times they're going to be the ones you know when you send the thank you for purchasing email there's going to be a little video in there of them recorded saying like, Hey, thanks so much. I want to tell you this story and stuff. And, and like the story of the brand is their story and people are endeared to them. Um, that creates community and it's like instant, right? It'll create a community on their Instagram, on the brand's Instagram. People feel like they know that person. Um, the other is the, the, the other way I've, I've seen it done is brands that do content for content's sake. Right. And I, I'm talking about like, not content related to footwear and shoes and foot health and stuff that's like content leading me to a purchase but like literally if it's like okay you know we have a lot of people who buy who are um you know like kind of athleisure moms right so they want to be able to throw on a shoe that they can take the kids to school in go to the gym and come and do you know like literally having a podcast uh, that is a, you know, Kizik sponsored podcast, not an existing one, but a Kizik like owned podcast, uh, 
that is that, right? And it's not just talking about shoes, it's talking about what it's content for content's sake, right? Like the, the content itself stand on, stands on its own and they almost become a media company that creates community as well. Um, and that, that creates a lot of great top of funnel effects as well. Whereas like the person-based one, it, it, so, so think of it like this, like if you would do it top of funnel independently, like build a personal brand or build like a content thing, right? Like a blog, whatever. Um, then then that then that is what most of the time creates community now you can do like other things like create the facebook group nurture in the facebook group you know all that stuff that's all like the tactical how it gets done but the brands that do it really well that's like the core element is that there's either a person that like people just attach to and, and endear to or there is just content and conversation for content and conversation's sake not for anything related to the product's sake Awesome. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Um, cool. So we'll wrap it up, Casey. Did you have, sorry. I, know I was just going to say, you know, especially, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, the iOS update. And since that happened, one thing about growing community that I think I've noticed generally speaking across our brands is, is a focus to actually feature the people who would be in that community in ads more, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, you could say trendy or, or whatever you want to call it. But I, I've said for a little bit now, if you only gave me one format of ad that we could run across all of our, our different ad accounts, um, right now at least, it would probably be like UGC or UGC mashups because um, they tend to work pretty good. And I think that's not a coincidence, uh, especially on the back of like the iOS 14 update. I think we, we talked about it on a recent episode, but a lot of brands, rather than getting good at playing Facebook, they had to get, they had to figure out for the first time maybe ever how to get good at actual marketing again they had, had to go back to fundamentals back to that so you know borrowing from john's like framework here and i don't know if you actually take credit for this john or if you put it together but the like <laughs> avatar angle ad lander uh, offer you know like it all starts with the avatar right like it, it starts with knowing who your customer is and same way we talked about with your shoes brett it's there's different use cases for different people and those different people are just different avatars. And how well does your brand know your different avatars and how good are you at meeting them where they are currently and speaking their language to them? Yeah. It, it, community almost always stems from an internal brand champion who knows the customers just like really well, thinks about them and really is one of them, you know, and, and then that like community will just stem from that because they just want to engage with the other people like them. Yeah. I love that kind of turning the them to an us, right? I think that right. that's, that's exactly key. got it. Um, okay, so we'll wrap up here. I want to do one more thing here. What would you say as of right now? You know, we're we're doing this interview, uh, kind of Q two twenty twenty two. What would you say that Kizik does really well right now, like today? And it could be tactical or it could be high level if you want. What would you say that Kizik? needs to get better at you know like you know this we don't do well and this is something we need to get better at um and then you know give us your your kind of rest of 2022 2023 e-commerce marketing hot takes you know what do you think that is an unpopular opinion or uh that maybe a lot of people don't think yeah um you know i think we probably talked about some of these but i, I think um Again, having some past experience and and the team that we've built, I think we do a really good job um, of of really communicating um, and and showing uh, our you know our unique selling propositions and and really our um, I, I think 
planting some doubt in people's minds. And, and I, I mean that in a positive way of, of, you know, really being able to communicate, um, you know, our differentiators. And, and, um, and I also think one of the things we do as a brand that I think we've done really well, which has been a focus from day one is, is being in a, um, in a very approachable brand. That's one of the key words that we've just, um, every conversation we have when we, we start to, you know, evaluate our brand is like, are we being approachable? And I think that invites the, the people in and, and uh, we haven't been perfect at it, but it, it, it we want to be welcoming to all, especially, you know, we call it a big tent brand where, you know, you're, you're talking to people up and down age ranges, um, male, female kids are coming out in the summer. Like we, we, which is really hard to do by the way, but to be inclusive to, you know, a wide range of people, um, and, and to be approachable, I think we've done a great job of that. Um, where I think we've struggled a little bit, which you guys have hit on a little bit, is is really um, opening up the curtain a little bit and showing behind the scenes, and putting a, a little bit more of a face and and the people behind um, our product, um, especially our our patents and and that story. I mean, we've been running a million miles an hour, and and I think being able to um, you know give people a peek behind because it is. I mean, the, if we were maybe another footwear brand that was just kind of playing off of the same you know, uh, materials and things that are out in the market, it's a little bit harder to come up with this, this story, but really having something unique and, and, you know, the fact that our team is literally in a workshop tinkering and building and, and coming up with new ideas is it's a little bit like Willy Wonka. And I think we could do a better job of, of, of telling that story and, and connecting people with, with the brand a little bit more. So, um, I think those are two areas that, that, you know, have done well and, and, I mean, there's a, there's a whole list of things that, you know, we're just getting into more of the um, SEO organic um, side of things, and and um, that'll be important for us. But um, yeah, um, always always stuff to do, right? Yeah, I like it. No, and it, it's true. Right? The community question—that's a great question, right? Like for it's like, hey, you know, how is this actually done? You know, when you've seen it done, and and it's crazy how it's like, you know, rare. Uh, but yeah, like. How do we do that better is kind of what you're saying and you think i think it, like your vision is like you know i think we can peel back the curtain a little bit which is definitely a good place to start all right give me your hot takes hot take for rest of 2022 2023 where do you think that e-commerce in general is headed right like it's a very interesting time we're like hey are we in a recession is the economy down is you know, what's going on here yeah um i thought about this one i um the only, I mean, one that, that I think is interesting is um, we, we've heard a lot about social shopping and what people are doing in China. And I actually think we're, we're years away from that here in the U.S. I think people have talked about, you know, 2023 and, you know, social shopping, that's going to be the only way that you're going to move product. And I actually think we're, we're far off from that. Um, I don't know that that may be it's probably not a huge spicy take, but for me, I, I think, you know, that, we seem pretty far behind in, in that realm. I think influencers and, and where we're at um, are going to continue to be the norm, but I think we're, we're, we're far off from, from a true, uh, you know, social shopping um, commerce um, for D2C. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And if we can, if we ramp that up or not, but. Um, for sure. Yeah. I, I've, I've had takes like that before too, where it's like, mm, yeah, I mean, this seems like a hot uh, item, but is it, you know, how far are we from this being like real 
like this is it this is the way um i love it well brett thank you so much for being on appreciate it have enjoyed immensely talking with you love the tactical episodes like where we're talking ad strategy and stuff like that um it's a good time for me as a as a paid media guy so um thanks for coming on and uh yeah casey take us out say the youtube things all right yes thank you for joining us today this was a great interview john thanks for running this interview you're doing a great job with this whole series and modern commerce thank you for tuning in if you watch this far into the video i would hope that you liked it otherwise what are you doing just torturing yourself watching watching stuff you don't enjoy like come on what are you doing you're on youtube here uh so go ahead and drop a like onto the video come on hit the subscribe button so you're subscribed to our channel let people know what you're into on the youtubes um, go ahead and hit the uh, bell icon so that you get notified whenever we drop new content onto our channel. And as always, until next time, see ya.